podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the weekend. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Anfield Wrap. It is the weekend as to be recorded before Bournemouth, but crucially, crucially after uh, Liverpool 5, Everton 2. And James, uh, one of the things I know you're fortunate to get in your position is a team sheet 15 minutes early. That must have been a laugh in the press box. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was about as surprised as everyone else, I think, when... When I, when I saw the lineup, um, I thought there'd be a few changes, obviously, but yeah, not to not to that extent. And he, Jurgen does have previous, doesn't he, for for uh, for throwing a an unexpected one in with the derby. You think of remember when seeing Solanke's name on the team sheet a couple of couple of years back, and um, but yeah, it was you know like anyone else, I thought, wow, that is a gamble in in a game that means so much to so many people, but. Maybe he does know what he's doing after all because it worked out all right. Uh, Paddy, Paddy for time has joined us. Uh, and Paddy, what did you think when you saw the team sheet land? Were you, I know some people were absolutely appalled as it sort of landed, like how important this is, the importance of making sure that we get one over Everton, the importance of the league position. Or did you just think Jürgen's got this? Yeah, I think a bit of both really. I, th- I think when I first seen it, naturally I was surprised. Um, but I think the more I thought about it, but I think we spoke the last few weeks on these kinds of shows about at some point he's going to have to rest a few and rotate, and that's going to come into play at, at a certain time of the season. I thought it might have been Bournemouth, but once I give it a bit of thought, I thought to myself, Tuesday's game is massive um, against Salzburg, and he's the type of manager, and we, and we know this over the years now, really likes a, he likes players in rhythm and in a bit of form. So I think he's thought to himself, this is the one where you maybe bring a few in, and then the rest of the lads come back in against Bournemouth hopefully get a win play well and then because the turnaround is so short between Bournemouth and Salzburg they're going into that game fresh rather than having virtually a week off in between so yeah I thought I, I was surprised and I thought it might have been Bournemouth but when you think about it more and obviously seeing the results, results it all makes sense now um, but yeah I just thought I thought I think that's his thinking as these lads are going to have to get a rest at some point there's something about as well Stephen there's a little bit in here that's got my attention Steve has joined us on the idea of Anfield's a bit of a protector and shield, but also it's a huge vote of confidence for those <clears throat> players he's bringing in. Those mm. players, he's able to say to them, I'm picking you in a Merseyside derby. I'm not picking you against Bournemouth after mm. the Lord Mayor's show when the big game's out the way. You're getting the big one. Here's the big one. Grab it. Enjoy the... And I thought the way Liverpool played in comparison to Everton, Everton played like a side full of so much fear. Mm. And Liverpool played with absolutely no fear. Whereas Liverpool, it's Everton's free hit and Liverpool have got everything to lose. Yeah, um, I mean... Hindsight's a wonderful thing, I suppose. You can say this now, we won 4-2, but it might have been like just a match. Five, mate. Let's remember, the win out of one. Five, yeah, five two there. Yeah. <laughs> we won five, two. But, but you know, as, as a mind game from the manager to give to give a player who's coming in cold, like Shakiri or Aridji who's coming in, we know Aridji can step up. He, he's he's shown more than capable this season that he can come in and, and, and be an ample um, replacement for anyone in that front three. But like Dexy Shakiri, even like Lalana, I mean, Lalana was the one who worried me a touch on that sheet because I thought he might play as a six. And I thought he might get a bit bullied in there, but no, if you get bullied by Tom Davis, then there's nothing down for you, really, is there? But you know, to say to one of the players, listen, you're coming in to play this game, you know, Shakiri must have just puffed his chest up and gone, yes, I'll have a bit of this. You know, and, and he didn't let the manager down, did he, to be honest? They didn't let him down, Steve. I think there's, there is that sort of, the, the, 
they're playing for all of us, but also it's back to this. He spent two years, two and a half years telling them why they're all important. That you might not get that many games, but the games you do get matter. But also you're there to support these other lads. We're all in this together. And again, you know, we all hope we end this season with a very specific medal. But last season, for instance, in the aftermath of the Champions League final, it felt like it was the full squad who, even if they hadn't done that much in the European games, knew they'd support them by rotating in for the league games. And, mm. you know, and I think that that's, that he's still got that spirit out of footballers who would be well within the right to think I wish I played a bit more is is, is phenomenal I think you see it all the time with this team I, th- I think you see the fact that you don't you know especially when you look back to the Champions League final last year the first two people who were on Jurgen Klopp's back when we scored the second goal was Dejan Lovren and Albert Moreno you know these two lads who aren't playing the game but they're, they're just so happy for this team to win and um, you know, Klopp just shows again he's a man of his words and he, 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 like last year I had the stats on the radio yesterday that last year in December he had 33 changes in total in the league games he played in December last year which is a phenomenal amount of changes to make for this side and he's been very very um, sort of steady with his changes so far so you know he's just shown he's a man of his words and he's just shown that everyone is a valuable part of the squad now they all get to be a valuable part of the squad James the one thing you notice though and it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's maybe a little different for Bournemouth uh, take Paddy's point about rhythm but I wonder if he, the rhythm he'll want to get is in the attacking players it wouldn't surprise me if some attacking players first team in inverted commas attacking players come back in for Bournemouth maybe he does one or two of the defence because he doesn't he plays, his, he plays the best back five available to him changes the other stuff but plays the best back five he can play yeah yeah it's going to be intriguing isn't it to see that, that team sheet down at Bournemouth on, on Saturday because I think it will give him food for thought because I thought Salah especially more than Firmino but both of them I think have shown signs of fatigue in recent weeks you know not been you only have to look at the numbers to see that you know they've not been at their best um you know i'm sure part of that is because you know they haven't had a proper break in what is it over two and a half years now um so you know that's a big thing for him suddenly you look at someone like Ari come in and just the, the energy and the dynamism that he that he gave the team um you know just exceptional the way he held it up the way he was darting in behind i mean spoke to andy robertson afterwards and going back to what we were talking about before about the environment that Klopp's created at Melwood, he said the reason why people like Origi and Shakiri are able to come in and perform at that level, given the lack of minutes they've got, is he said, because the training is so intense. He said, we train like it is a game. So that is why it's not a big leap to go from those sessions at Melwood to producing on that stage. And I think it also ties in that that feeling of everyone being in it together. Um, I asked Klopp about, Klopp about this recently was the way he likes having a relatively small senior squad. I think, you know, people, there's always this clamour, isn't there, for something shiny and new and more new signings. But he said it becomes very difficult if you've got 22, 23 senior players, keeping them all hungry and keeping them with a belief that they've got a genuine chance of being involved. He said he'd rather have 18 or 19 because he said it's actually easier to, to handle the dynamic of a group like that. Yeah, I think I think on the point about like the environment clubs created and things like that, I had a lot of talk once that team came out that people were saying like, "Oh, these lads coming in, I've got a point to prove." But I think one thing you notice during the game is I don't I don't think any of them do look like they have got a point to prove. The likes mm. of Lallana, I think he's more than proved his points in this since clubs come in. Origi's definitely proved his worth. Shakiri, I think from the start of last season up till Christmas around this time last year, I think he proved his points, and they didn't all look they didn't look like players. The lads who came in with a point to prove or anything like that, not in the sense they didn't play well. I just mean, there was sort of a confidence about them mm. where they just looked like they belonged. And, and that's the point that James was saying about Andy Robertson, saying, like, this is the way we train. They all feel part of it. And they don't feel like, oh, we're, like, the, the, the lads on the bench coming in. Like, this is our chance. We must grab another. They just come in and go, well, we know we're good enough to play for this team. We know what we were doing. 
And I think that 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 showed in the performance last night. In the uh, the other the, the player in the front uh, front th- three four five who, who keeps his place is Mane Paddy, and yeah. it was it was a phenomenal all round performance from him, especially first half, but <laughs> even patches of the second. I mean, this is you know setting up two, scoring one. We, we we rightly lord footballers like, for instance, Steven Gerrard, like, for instance, Kenny Dalglish. We're watching here one of the very, 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 very best players in the world hit his, his, his high, high performance level so regularly for us. Yeah, I think it, it, it's been that stage for a while now. We've often talked about he's the one that you just can't see how you rest him and, and who, who fills his place. Like you've seen Origi Depizar as well, a lot for me, you know. Uh, since Shakiri do well in, in, as a replacement for Salah, but I think Mane and the level he's playing at now, he, he's got to that point now where he's everything. Now he's not just the goals. He's not just you think, oh yeah, we got we need Mane out wide. Now he's keeping the team for the pace. It's he's almost like a number ten and a playmaker and things that when he first signed, even in a, in a great first season, you never ever thought he might get to that level of being. And the, the closest thing I can compare to at the moment is what last night reminded me loads of is. Coutinho the six months before he goes when he's on that left side and it's goals and it's it's assists and it's everything. It was all that for man. It was pace running at defenders and then the, the backing off because they're frightened of what he's going to do. But then as the backing off, he's got more space to run into and play balls in behind. And at the minute, he, he just, he's, he's definitely our most important player and Evans coming through him going forward. Can't live with him. No, I, I thought he was phenomenal last night. I really did. I, I mean, when I got it back in, obviously you get caught up in the atmosphere in the game and stuff. When I got back in and watched uh, watched the goals match today, that, that ball for the first goal is absolutely outrageous. I mean, we look past the fact that Pickford is absolutely no man's <laughs> land. I don't know what he's doing, where he is, but the ball from there from Mari for that and and for the for the for the ball for the Gershikiri goal as well. Just two pieces of exquisite skill. Um, no, I'm just gutted he never he never got another goal second half. I mean, would have not only he's my nerves a little bit, but it would have topped off for what he deserved because I thought he, he was phenomenal. I think even the, the Pickford thing though, like whenever I've heard a lot of people say about it, wasn't sure what he was doing. I think that's that's a bigger compliment to the past because yeah. it yeah, draws yeah. him out to the extent that mm. you think he might be able to get it. It's, it's weighted that perfectly mm. that he sort of got no choice but to come out and then when it he takes it around and that's just his yeah. pace and the quality of the pass it was more a starting point for me if you look where he is yeah. when, uh, before he even plays the ball he, he's passed his penalties for Pickford it, it was a very very strange performance from the keeper I must admit like it's with Sadio uh, James it's, it is worth dwelling on because it's, we've got to not lose this in the, the hunt for the league title in the the, hunt, the, the, the the glorifying of last season's Champions League victory the 97 point season but also in the fact that it's so week to week the games come so thick and fast you know I'm sure, like me, you grew up watching videos occasionally in person. Kenny Douglas, John Barnes, the, the list of the names. And this is, currently this is Sadio Mane's Liverpool company. He is currently putting in performances that are historically brilliant Liverpool performances. He deserves to be mentioned in the class of those players. Yeah, without shadow of a doubt. He, you know, he, the way he's performing at the moment does remind me of, of John Barnes, who was my absolute hero growing up. And... Yeah, it's just extraordinary the consistency of him, and you know, going back to the earlier point about Mane and uh, sorry Salah and Firmino, you know, feeling the strain understandably given their demands. You know, I don't know what Sadio is having for breakfast, but you know, it's just you know, I think he was asked recently, wasn't he, about you know, are you not feeling it? You know, I think he's only had a two-week holiday is the most he's had for for a number of years now, and he just said, oh no, tiredness is all in the head. Um, you know, I, I, he just and you can see he plays with a smile on his face. He just absolutely loves. I'm about, I'm about to say, I think the, I think a massive part of this is the enthusiasm. I think yeah. there's just oh. so much, and I think you saw that last night there because I think he realised there's so much space to play, not just Mane. It looked to me like there was like a real joy de vivre for Origi, for Shakiri, oh. for Mane. It was like they'd been let loose because there's all this grass that Everton have left them to run into. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it was ever defensively, take, take nothing away from the quality of the attack and play because I think Liverpool hit heights in that game which I think would have ripped to shred most most teams but you know defensively Everton were absolutely all over the shot when they I think you know one of the biggest mismatches I've seen in years was was Mane against Sidibe who you know suffers the embarrassment of getting hauled off inside 35 minutes but um but yeah I think what was it only probably three or four months ago Messi voted for Mane didn't he for the FIFA world player of the year and um you know, and you can you can understand why because that's that's the kind of company he, he's in at the moment. I think he is a future Ballon d'Or winner, um, and it, you know it reminded me last night. I think it's almost exactly two years since he missed that chance in the derby, which Absolutely. affected him yeah. so badly. I remember yeah. Klopp speaking about it weeks afterwards, and basically saying, "Yeah, do you know what? This crisis of confidence he's in now goes back to that miss. He, he he's really beat himself up about that because it, you know it ended up costing Liverpool two points on that occasion." But now you, you just—he doesn't seem to dwell on things. He's almost—he's he, got that self-belief in himself now. Where yeah, of course he still misses chances. I mean, he should probably have had a hat, a hat trick last night. But you know, he, he now has that thing of you know, do you know what? I'll get the next one. And you know, it was a night of you know, awe-inspiring brilliance in terms of the goals. But I think the finish for his goal, the, the fourth one, you know, he made that look so easy. You know, nonchalantly just placing it in the bottom corner, twenty yards out from Trent's pass. Um, yeah, he's just an absolute joy to watch. I think the one thing that is interesting with Saudi Amani, you do see this out, outpour of emotion from him sometimes when we score goals. And this is not to discredit any of the players. I'm sure we're all, all they're all fighting off the, off the same, singing off the same hymn sheet. But I get the feel you do get the feeling that he wants this more than anyone else. Yeah. This title, you just see it, and you just see the the determination and what he's put, the performances he's putting in week in week out. He, he really, really wants to get us over the line this year. I think you see as well how he's he's got a nice combative edge and spikiness to oh, him yeah. as well. Like yeah, yeah. If, if you meet like, off the pitch, he's an absolutely lovely fella who's so softly spoken. When you interview him, you actually feel as if you've almost got to invade his personal space to be able to hear what he says, <laughs> especially in, in a noisy football ground because he, he whispers um, and he's you know just a ridiculously humble, down to earth, as far away from a superstar as you could you could possibly imagine. But what I love about him on the field, I think especially this season, you saw him last night. He, he's not shy, is he? He was picking a few fights oh, yeah, there. Yeah, he was, okay, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and there was the one with with Yeremina in the mm. in the second half. I mean. You know, Mina must be you know, a lot far off a foot, a foot taller than him. <laughs> but he was, you know, he, he, he a good old grapple with him, and you know, I, I like to see that. You know, and that was, and you can see that edge kind of running through the team. I was team about now. to say, Paddy, you see the needle with Robertson and, and, and Alexander Arnold as well in the game. I think there's there, there is that was a Liverpool side, and I do remember. I think that they were probably. If I say you're not sh- shaken's the wrong way to phrase it, I think they they were they, they, their hackles were raised by the way Everton celebrated the nil nil going right the way back to Goodison uh, back in, and it felt to me like Liverpool had a little one. They'd remembered that there was something yeah. in there, I think, where it was a bit like you know they almost wanted to show Everton that that these Liverpool players do think they're a bit small time. Yeah, I think I think the biggest difference about this team compared to any team I've ever seen is I I grew up with the old adage of like the biggest like shame about being a football sport is knowing that the players don't care as much as you do. I, I think for the first time, definitely in my lifetime, these players definitely do care as much as we do and they get it as much as we do and they understand all them things. So when we're leaving Goodison last season, knowing that that result's not great at all, they get the same feeling as well. They know, listen, we're Liverpool, we should be beating Everton, that's what we do. And we and, and I love the fact that they get it and I love the fact that they know what Everton are like and how Everton react to things and things and, that, and that's why last night was so massive for all of them. Uh, and it's no bad thing for like this group of players who seem like a young squad and seem like they're going to be together for a lot of the years to get into a habit of beating Everton. Okay, uh, just out, uh, just out of interest, um, who was your man of the match? 
are we all saying Sadio because you can make a Divock shout? There's all three, yeah. For me, I think Sadio. Was, I, I thought Sadio was instrumental in, in the goals. The, the way the way he went about his business was fantastic. As I said, I was a bit gutted he never got a couple more. But you know, you've got to give props to to Shaqiri and Origi as well. I thought they were both fantastic. Shaqiri's coming from the cold and to literally put a shift in like he did. Never never went hard and always wanted the ball. Got himself after some really tight spaces and uh, you know big shout out to them too as well. But man, it was a, a different class. Yeah, I thought, again, I thought the whole front four and I'll include Lalana and that because of how, how high he pressed up the pitch mm. and how he was leading all the time. I thought he was brilliant last night, Lalana. I thought it really did remind me of, of how, how he's been at his peak at 16, 17 and I think people often forget how important he has been and how good he's been for us. So I thought he really impressed me last night as well. And you, can't, you can't argue with Chikiri either. Like to come in like that the minutes he's played and putting that kind of performance even things like his touch and his passion which yeah. are things that you do lose and things like that if you've been out for a while we're spot on so all four of them all four of them <laughs> are we allowed to say you can say all four of them if you want James uh, no I'll go for Sadio just because I thought it is his brilliance in that opening 20-25 minutes just set the tone for the whole night Okay, uh, excellent stuff. Coming up, we've got Paula Mann to talk about cop-outs and the Rainbow Laces campaign. And we've got James's colleague uh, from The Athletic, Peter Rutzler, uh, to talk to us about Bournemouth. We'll all be back towards the end of the show to have a lovely chat about Bournemouth as well. Uh, it is the weekend, or it is the Anfield Wrap saying hello, get yourself ready, it's going to be a big one. But then they're all big ones these days, aren't they? As part of our work with Last Fan Standing, which involves me uh, and John, uh, or John, uh, asking the questions on that app, and do download it and play and play the predictor quiz as well. Uh, as part of that, we've been running quizzes here on the uh, the weekend. Are really pleased to do it and seeing who can be the Last Fan Standing, getting ten questions right on the bounce, or see how far they get. And I've got Robbie joining me, Robbie Williams, which must obviously be a frustrating situation for you, Robbie. Uh, I'm sure that joke gets made a lot. I'm going to dodge it because I'm a class act. Uh, but uh, you're going to go through these questions. But first and foremost, always great to beat Everton. And are you looking forward to the game against Bournemouth? Yes, very much so. It uh, it feels like this run's never going to stop at the minute, and obviously it has to at some point. But you don't quite see it stopping against Bournemouth, do you, Robbie? No. The worst thing is this Liverpool team has made me feel rational about football. <laughs> it's not what we're winning it for, really, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, let's uh, let, let, let's do the quiz then and see how you get on. Um, number one, who scored Liverpool's first goal in the fifth minute of the derby on Wednesday night? Was it Origi or Shakiri? It was Origi. It was. Okay, we're flying here. The first couple are always easy, but they'll get you somewhere. Number two, who started in goal for the derby game? Was it Alisson or Adrian? Adrian. Indeed. Uh, number three, Everton haven't beaten Liverpool since 2001. Is that true or false? False. It is false, 2010, the last time Everton beat us. Number four, which club did Origi join Liverpool from? Was it Leon or Lille? Oh, um, Lille. It was Lille. Uh, excellent stuff. Put your four on four. Who was the referee for the Derby game? Was it Anthony Taylor, Jonathan Moss or Mike Dean? Um... Mike Dean It was Mike Dean Five out of five We're doing well here Robbie We're hanging in there the last two have been tight Number six This was Mike Dean's first time Refereeing a Liverpool derby game Is that true or is it false? True It's false You refereed Goodison in 2016 You got fat, got to the, le- the level of five uh, I'll speak to John We'll send you a t-shirt anyway Don't worry about that sort of stuff uh, We'll get that yeah. over to you But five out of yeah. five there Yeah, I, I thought you were on the march I thought you were going to go all the way no, and uh, on the Robbie Williams thing, it could be worse. My middle name is also David James. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Got it. got you covered right the way through the board there. You got done in confirmation. <laughs> um, 
great stuff. Honestly, thanks very much, Robbie. Thanks for listening Thank and you. thanks for playing the quiz this week. Uh, Robbie's got himself five out of five. When John's back, I'll get him to toss up the scoreboard and we'll see who's going to be the leader going into the new year. Okay, joined in the studio by Paul, a man, the founder of Liverpool FC's LGBT supporters group, Cop Outs. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going to tell us a little bit about the Rainbow Laces campaign, Liverpool supporting it, why that matters and why that's a good thing. Yeah, I was there at the match uh, on the derby match uh, on the pitch with my opposite number from Rainbow Toffees and what's important about it is to engage other fans across both sets of supporters to help make sure that the match is a safe place for LGBT supporters to come to. When I, when I started getting involved with Rainbow Laces and organising cop-outs too many people were saying they weren't sure whether it was safe for them to come to the match mm. um, they feared that they might get harassment, they might get people turn on them and that kind of mob mentality fear is something which absolutely terrifies some people obviously yeah but through engagement through working with the likes of spirit of shankly through engaging with the the club itself it's become really really clear that the majority of fans are brilliant and they want to show solidarity and ensure the safety of people as much as anybody else and now they're the first to tap someone on the shoulder if they've been out of order mm. and so instead of stewards or ourselves having to get involved and go oh there's a problem over there there's a problem over here fellow fans are standing up and being counted which is fantastic and it does feel to me and that you know I mean I don't know I'm not I'm not quite sure how old you are Paul but I'm 43 and it, you know it feels to me that you know the 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 climate if you like of going the match has changed over the years you know I think it feels more inclusive it feels more diverse these days well, and, you know and, and yeah. campaigns like this only help with that well I'm 50 so yeah. a few years on you uh, but it has changed over that time that yeah. I've been going the match and it's gone from a period in, back in the early 80s when my older brothers would tell me they're not going to the match wouldn't advise me to go to the match because we happen to be mixed race mm. and that was a real barrier back in the early 80s uh, to the extent that my brother who's moved to Trinidad where, where my dad's from has really been shocked that not only do I go to the match regularly but that I'm out and gay and go to the match regularly he'd have thought that just being mixed race was a big enough barrier um, and obviously things have changed for the better people are just more inclusive and in recognising that a fan is a fan is a fan and if you, it, you know the ways of not supporting the club properly are to be fake and plastic about stuff rather than actually getting on and, and getting engaged with the club and seeing following uh, the, the, the game properly and supporting the club properly So what, what's your relationship with the club like then and, and tell us a little bit about, about Cop House as well So I've been working with the club voluntarily since 2011 through the, the supporters committee process. That was very much ups and downs. Uh, we had some great early successes in terms of chain, chain, changing of signage and making things loads better for fans on a public base, basis so that the signage was there, the announcements were different. But then we wanted to make sure that we could perhaps invite larger groups of LGBT fans who were more worried about going the game so that they'd have the backing and support immediately of other LGBT people around them. We didn't want that every match. We weren't asking for, you know, a block of 50 at the Derby, mm -hmm. but maybe a Tuesday night Burnley game, you know, half a dozen tickets together. And the club 
still haven't afforded us that opportunity, which is a real shame um, because it would give those individuals who are really worried, and particularly some of our trans supporters, those people are very often the most fearful about going into a big crowd situation. And to know that there'd be a group of people around them who would immediately have their back would offer them their reassurance and also help educate the wider fan base even more that these are just another group of our fans. Yeah. And for an education process to take place both sides to realise there's no issue and all we want to do is support our club and sing and chant and make sure the club's winning. And I, and I think that's the key thing for me is that, you know, so that it feels to me that part of, you know, Liverpool's identity, part of Scouts' identity almost is that you want people to think we're sound, basically. You know, we like to go around and say we're a friendly city, we're, we're a good laugh, it's a good place to come and visit, you know, and we want the match to be an extension of that as well. So, sort of, you know, it just feels really antiquated, the type of behaviour that we still have to work to cut out. I mean, it, it, it does seem like it's, it really is a minority now. And that, that is a change to the, the days we were talking about before. You know, once upon a time, I mean, I can remember when I first started going and, you know, I was just a... A, a young lad going but but some of the stuff I heard and some of the stuff I witnessed there was a bit like oh it's a bit mad this um, you know we've come on so much from sort of late 80s early 90s haven't we things have moved on massively yes but there's still some minorities mm. who are just you know to my mind and to most sensible fans minds they've got no space in the game because they shouldn't be there because all they're about is giving other people nasty, nasty grief and really being rotten as individuals. And you see that with the assault that happened uh, just earlier in the year, just within a quarter of a mile or so of Anfield, where a couple of gay guys happened to be walking down the street, get knifed in a homophobic attack. Just dreadful. Mm. Um, that kind of stuff is still going on in our city. And we need at times to remember that the battle isn't won until that never takes place. Yeah. I mean, is there anything more than that? You know, this is, you know, Liverpool have got behind this. Um, teams, you know, we mentioned Everton before, but teams right across the Premier League have got behind it. The Premier League itself is, is behind it. But I always think with these things, and I always think it's a pertinent question, it, is, is it enough or is it, can it be a little bit tick box? You know, it, it's a bit like, okay, well, today we'll do this, today we'll wear these laces, today, you know, you're on the Anfield app, you, you've been doing other press as well and things like that. But, we shouldn't all forget about it the day after. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be ongoing. Yeah. It's got to be sustained. Um, I've been made up that actually Liverpool have done things in a far more genuine way in recent years than some other clubs have. Um, I was absolutely taken aback by the article in last night's programme with Jordan Henderson putting it out there loud and clear that anybody is welcome in that dressing room if they've got the ability to play and if they've got the team spirit. It doesn't matter what their sexuality or whatever. As far as he was concerned, as captain, as leader of our team on the pitch, he wants people to feel safe and enjoy the game. So to have that reinforced really positively by not just the chief executive in the sort of video we did a couple of years ago, mm. but the captain on the pitch... Klopp wearing the rainbow laces himself. I don't think he took them out of his boots last year, did he? So, you know, it's a, it's, it is a constant reminder. Yeah. And the club's work through the year on its education programme around local schools, its work through the stewards, the signage that's in and around the ground, it all reinforces positive behaviour. Where, where do you stand on that? Because another thing that always does come up is the idea of you know, the, the fact that we're in 2019 and we still don't have a, a high-profile footballer who during his career 
has come out. And we obviously had that strange situation on Twitter, which no one really knew what was going on there, and then it, it ended, and we never found out whether it was a hoax, whether there was something behind yeah. it. I guess we'll never know on that score. But where do you stand on it? It's often it's often put up there as being really, really important. It must happen at some point. But then I guess is is there also a bit of a fear that if it did happen, I'm sure they would be welcomed in the dressing room and everything else. But once they're on the pitch and they're around the country and they're going to all different grounds, it would only take a minority, wouldn't it, to create certain headlines in a certain situation? I think it would be important to create the environment that it's safe for somebody to feel they can come out. And I'm at utterly against somebody being forced to come out yeah. or newspapers doing expose-type journalism, which is yeah, cheap grim. and nasty. Yeah. Um, what I would love to see is a player feel safe and confident to come out for them to show their skills and abilities with the ball on the pitch, make sure that they are actually really demonstrating that they're a class player and that's what the story would be about. Ideally, it would be amazing to have a really media-friendly person come out and turn people's heads, and, you know, really give their heads a wobble and make sure that they realise that they are a player that just happens to be gay. They're not the gay footballer. Yeah. Um, to me, the, the gay footballer story is a nonsense when in the women's game, it doesn't matter one jot. Mm. And it's such a big thing, isn't it, around it? I mean, but the media will be the media, or certainly certain sections of the media will always be the media. But, Paul, uh, thanks very much for coming in there. Uh, Liverpool did get behind that campaign in the Merseyside derby. Uh, the women will be doing the same in their fixture against West Ham United at Prenton Park on Sunday. Uh, Paul, cracking stuff. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing, mate, and uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks very much. Our friends at Totally Football have had an interview with Jamie Carragher. Uh, fantastic stuff indeed, I'm sure. Jamie talking about all sorts of things and his new podcast as well. Uh, do give it a listen if you can at Totally Football. Here's a little clip for you. I think when I was uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, in the dressing room at Liverpool, I think if, you, if you'd asked anyone in that dressing room if you'd be a manager, me or Stevie Gerrard, I think probably 99% of people would have said me. I was because just a, of your daddiness, of course. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, I'm obsessed by by football. I, I watched everything, I read everything. I do now. I do. I, I always did as a player, consumed by the game. And I think Rafa Benitez and Gerard Hulier maybe put me off it in management in a little way because they're the two biggest influences on my career. The two of them together was 12 years of my Liverpool career. And the, the man who came in, I was so impressed with, and the man that left was just like a completely different person. That's what the job had done. I'd also been lucky that I'd, I'd played for Liverpool my whole career. I'd never had to do a normal footballer's life, if you like, of, of moving your, your family around the country every three or four years. Right. So probably that put me off a little bit. I'd done a little bit of punditry and uh, a bit of coaching. I, I enjoyed the punditry a little bit more. It was ITV, I think, in the Euro 2012 at the first time, with actually Roy Keane who's with us now on Sky, and I got the bug for that a little bit more, and to be honest, Sky asked me to do the job before someone offered me a, a coaching role, if you like, so I took that job. Brilliant, okay. How much would you have liked to play with Virgil van Dijk? Oh, I loved it. I'm not sure Virgil van Dijk would have enjoyed it too much, uh, but no, he, as I mentioned before, what he does to uh, to other players, I mean, the interesting thing is that he's seen as the, and, and rightly so, he's the leader, He's the daddy at the back. And I've never played in a football team where someone has told me what to do on the pitch. I've always been the person who told someone else what to do. So I'd actually quite enjoy that dynamic of actually who actually gave in, uh, really, and accepted that the other one was going to tell 
them and I, I can't see myself giving him Virgil van Dijk's a far better player than than me but uh, he wouldn't have been able to tell me what to do it ended up me having to tell him what to do whether they needed it or not Totally Football uh, Ian McIntosh uh, behind it the brains behind the operation are Totally Football uh, always good to check out what other people are up to and this is a good opportunity to do so so if you get the opportunity to give them a listen do do so and it's good to see Jamie doing really really good work as well uh, everyone lovely everyone kind uh, listen in when you feel like it if you can uh, this is Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap we'll get back on with the show Delighted to be joined by Peter Rutzler, the Bournemouth uh, correspondent for the Athletics at Bournemouth, very strangely there, for the Athletic, uh, the Anfield Raps working with the Athletic this year, really pleased to be partnering with them, getting the insight from many of the fabulous correspondents around the specific football teams, and you can read everyone's writing on there really, at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield Rap if you want to sign up, and please do consider it. Got Peter on to talk about Bournemouth, and... I've been talking about Bournemouth for three or four years, to be honest with you, Peter, with a, with, with, with a couple of Bournemouth supporters. And this season's probably the first season, I'd say, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that Bournemouth could very much end up dragged into a relegation battle. Am I right to be concerned, or do you think that actually they'll turn it around pretty soon? Well, I can't, I can't really disagree at the moment. I think one of the things that have characterised Bournemouth during the, their time in the top flight has been their streaky nature. Yeah. You know, they do have a tendency to, to lose a run of games then go on a good run of form. But as you're saying, I mean, form of late is not good. Uh, Tuesday was really, really poor. That's probably one of the poorest performances, if not the poorest performance they've put in in the Premier League um, against Palace. Um, a game that they really needed to win amid the, the fixtures they've got at the moment. Obviously, Liverpool on Saturday and then Chelsea to come as well. Um, had been one win in ten before it. And it was one of those games that they had to pick up points in and when Palace went down to 10 men you'd back them but it just didn't create anything there was no imagination no ideas and um, I mean how Eddie Howe said afterwards that you know it's the lowest he's felt and it's hard really to see it any other way at the moment it's it's one where it is it's been a bad 12 months and that's why I'm, I'm you know I, when I say I'm concerned for Bournemouth you can discuss the streaky thing, and I think it's been there, the idea that they are a streaky side. You know, I've, I've, I've said in the past, you never know with this team, we could just sort of win four out of five. And then, and then it all looks very different, and because it's so congested in the table, that's the case. But it's been a long... I think it's, it's, it's been a long time now since that four out of five has happened, and that's, that's got to be the concern on the South Coast. Yeah, I, I think the worrying thing is it's not just going to be four games this time. It really does look like it could end up being six. Then after Chelsea, the trip to Chelsea is Burnley and then it's Arsenal. So the worry is that it can spiral. Um, and, and normally you'd say there's, there are things to pick out. And I think in some of the performances, there were things. I mean, at Tottenham, it was a 3-2 defeat. There was a good comeback late on. The goals they conceded were soft, but there were promising signs. Um, and Against Palace, there was just none of that. Um, and there was a similar sort of performance the week before Tottenham against Wolves in that first half where... They were just completely off the pacing by comparison to, to the visitors who were bright, who were quick and technically very, very impressive. And that's what's most concerning is that there wasn't that sort of ideas. There's no creativity and they've, they seemed a little bit one-dimensional as well. I mean, they've dropped points against Watford, Norwich and Newcastle and then obviously Palace midweek. And the, one of the things that's sort of, you know, been quite a common factor is they're sides that don't like to dominate the ball they're not they're not sides that um will you know hold their own in possession and, and look to create they basically gave Bournemouth the ball and said go and break us down and Bournemouth didn't really have an answer now there's different factors in that I mean Ryan Fraser's not been in anywhere near the same form as last season David Brooks has been out injured and of course at the moment Josh King is also injured yeah. so that hasn't helped um 
But at the same time, it's the players they are playing. Um, Harry Wilson's done well. Um, Arnott Danjuma was signed for big money in the summer. He's, sl- he's shown signs, but we're yet to see that consistency. He's slowly playing more games. but And Callum Wilson's gone very, very quiet too. So it's, it's yeah, it's a lot of factors sort of coming together at the moment and the worry is that it will spiral. The... You mentioned David Brooks there, and I just want to sort of, for again, for people listening, he's been an enormous miss, I think, hasn't he? I think, you know, from a Liverpool point of view, where there's a lot of us want to see how Harry Wilson's going to do. He obviously doesn't get to play against Liverpool, but I think Brooks last season was, was, was both in terms of being able to hunt the ball down, really, really important on that right-hand side, but also was able to act as a creative hub. He was a risk-taker in possession. He was dynamic, happy to carry the ball. I think he's been he's probably been missed more than people outside the Bournemouth bubble would appreciate. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think he picked up his injury against Brentford in pre-season, and it looked like it was going to be a long time, and obviously he's had, his recovery hasn't gone smoothly. Eddie was saying last week that, it's just they seem to make a few steps forward, but then it's not quite felt right. So he's had to take a step back. So we don't really know when he'll be back. He was supposed to be back around this time. And, and yeah, absolutely, it's a massive miss. And as you're saying, it's, it's, he is a risk taker. He is dynamic. You know, he's very direct. Um, he offered a great counterbalance on the right with the Fraser on the left. Uh, and his work rate going back was really important. You know, the way Bournemouth like to play, it's a 4-4-2. The wingers push on. They make, a, you know, put on a real threat in the final third of it also going back the other way as well and I think I think Bournemouth have missed that I think Harry Wilson's done well on that side but he's not a winger in the in the Bournemouth sense in that traditional sort of taking players on beating them for pace and, and trickery uh, Harry's much more of a creative player likes to drift in field play a lot of passes and he's very very good at that but at the same time they've sort of missed that on that side and you know with Fraser not firing as well that's sort of you know, that, that was sort of spiral of things coming together and but absolutely I think David Brooks is such an important player and I remember last season it was his first year in the Premier League as well and yeah. to make that step up in the way he did to start scoring goals and to really impact games um, was mightily impressive and yeah without a doubt that Bournemouth really do miss him It seems to me it's interesting that you mentioned the 4-4-2 that Eddie's broadly stuck with I mean he occasionally does go to three at the back he might do that against Liverpool but there's no telling at this stage and I'm not expecting you to know the answer to be honest with you football managers keep these things to themselves but there is a you know on the whole it is a 4-4-2 and in there he's got he's added Philip Billing from uh, from Huddersfield who I thought was impressive last season is there a mm-hmm. little issue though where, where you know Billing and Lerma it's not a lot of creativity we just had a little chat there about the difference between Brooks and Wilson and suddenly the onus is very much on Fraser or the idea that Callum Wilson can pull something from nowhere is there a thing there that he might need to either have a little look at the shape or even or, or look at a little bit of the personnel and get a little bit more creativity into the side it is, it is an interesting topic, actually, um, because for much of the season, you can see it working and then not working. So adding Billing in there, I think Billing's been outstanding. I think he's an excellent midfielder. What he brings in a defensive sense has been really, really impressive. And one of the things that's characterised Bournemouth is the amount of goals they've conceded. And adding Billing in there really did solidify that central area, just protected the back four. So there was a run in October where we didn't concede many goals. Um, but then at the same time, it's like a seesaw, it just swung the other way. Mm. Going forward, you know, there wasn't the same creativity. And that seems to be a key issue, key issue that was lacking. And it was very evident against Palace, where both Billing and Lerma, both outstanding players defensively. But in the final third, it was just adding that little bit of spark and taking that risk, taking a player on. So it's, it's, a, very, it's a difficult one. I think for a game in transition, it works really well. Bournemouth are really good at that when... When teams are disorganised, they can break teams up high when you know when they intercept or make tackles or press high, and then 
can attack very quickly. But but the issue is then, can, do they have that creative element to the team? And you know, Eddie Howe has always stuck with that. And even when he does stick with a go to a three four three, which he did against Wolves, and I think he did against City. So there is a tendency, I think, against certain sides for him to, to play it. But there's always that two. So you know, a lot of questions have been, well, can he play a three? But and in doing that, he's taken away a forward and he does like to play with two forwards and it has worked. So it's it's just finding that balance, really. And that's, and at the moment, it looks like, you know, that they found the defensive solidity. They sort of lost that. Um, and then, you know, it's trying to find that creativity again and trying to find that sort of trademark Bournemouth style, really. Um, and whether whether a free is the answer to that, I don't know. And, you know, I was talking of tweeting about it earlier with, with a couple of fans. It was... When you do play with a three, you need a player who can push on and affect the final third, sort of a number eight, who you know still has that midfield qualities but can also push on and get into the box. And they don't really have that. I mean, mm. Philip Billing is sort of it's a holding player and he's shown signs of pushing on, but he's not really the kind of player to do the box-to-box running. Lerma is 100% a defensive player. You know, he's a he's a, he's good at it. Um, you know, he breaks up the play really yeah. well, uh, but doesn't have that sort of final third element um, Lewis Cook is the one you'd probably look at but again whether he can do that sort of running between boxes is it's a different you know it's a different job entirely and you know some some say that Harry Wilson could play in that number 10 role and I asked Eddie Howe this uh, on Monday uh, about whether Lewis Cook or Harry Wilson could play there and, and he said yeah there are definitely roles he could play because at the moment it's got Dominic Solanke who's playing the Josh King role which is sort of behind Wilson and trying to link the play mm. and that's very effective but one of the things that make, that separates a Dominic Solanke from, say, a Harry Wilson or a Lewis Cook is his physical attributes. Mm. Dominic's got a really good all-round game, and he's actually very good at it, at that sort of holding up play and then moving between them. But whether he has that creative side, when it, you know, when you, know, you have those defensive blocks, that's one of the big issues, really. Okay. Uh, the game then at the weekend, Liverpool coming. Uh, obviously, there was the, the very uh, tumultuous 4-3 a couple of seasons back now. Uh, on the whole, Liverpool have shown uh, they can get results down there. Are you expecting anything different for this one? Do you think that that Bournemouth can disrupt Liverpool's momentum? Or do you think that this is a game Bournemouth have just got to almost manage the way through, not used to playing three games in a week and look to come out the other side? It's a difficult one. I think Eddie Howe will want a reaction from his players. Um the, the nature of the defeat on Tuesday night really was abject. You know, there was. I, I, I watched the last. I watched the last twenty minutes, and I couldn't believe how how ponderous Bournemouth were. You know, there was there was balls were moving around the pitch, but it was three four touch stuff where it should just be one two touch stuff. They really were ponderous. Yeah, and then there's no penetration either. That was the thing. You're watching it. You're, just, you're sort of going in random circles, and it, mm. that's not new. Um, which is that's what was quite concerning. There's been signs that this does happen to Bournemouth when they have possession of the ball. They're not able to, you know, break through the third, break through the lines, have someone capable of doing that. And, you know, and against 10 men, you shouldn't really have less shots. I think, I think their total shots were six shots against Palace. Six attempts, 70 minutes with an extra player. You know, that's a standard overload thing in, in training. I think Eddie Howe said it himself. When you do attack the defence, that's what, what it's about. You give the attacking side an overload and then they get used to playing with it. It's about making those movements to, to create those spaces. And you're naturally given one when it's 10 v 11. And Bournemouth, didn't make the most of it. They didn't spread the play quick enough. They didn't move it quick enough. Um, so in that sense, I think for Saturday, Eddie Howe will want a reaction. You know, he'll want something. He'll want, I think you'll ex- you can expect higher intensity. Um, and if, if Bournemouth start brightly, which is what you know they normally try to do, you get the fans on side too. And you know, it can be can be a difficult place to go. It's a small ground. It's close to the pitch. Um, 
But, you know, this is a very, very, very impressive Liverpool team. Um, and you're trying to pick out weaknesses in that side, and it's, it's very difficult. Um, it would be interesting to see how he lines up, but I think the mentality side is what we're looking for, the application. Um, I think he said afterwards on Tuesday he wasn't faulting the players' you know, work rate. You know, It was just the lack of imagination, really. There wasn't the ideas. There wasn't the risk-taking. There wasn't that normal yeah. sense of... you know. With, with, with the best attacking teams that you associate. And then you, you, you do associate Bournemouth with attacking football. Eddie Howe likes to associate himself with attacking football, but that's what's been missing. But yeah, for sure. I think the main thing to take will be a, be a reaction, but it will be very, very, it will be a difficult afternoon. And you just wonder if Liverpool, if Liverpool score early, if Liverpool score twice early, then heads will drop. And that's the concern, I think, is just confidence. Once you're in a run like this, it's one win in 10 in all competitions. When you're in that run, you don't want to... You don't want your head to drop and you don't want to get turned over again. Okay. Uh, thank you very much to Peter uh, there from The Athletic. Do sign up if you get the opportunity to do so. The Anfield Wrap, uh, sorry, theathletic.co.uk forward slash The Anfield Wrap for that. Our friends at Football Index have come back to us wanting us to give it another mention, which we obviously will do. I've had a look at it since uh, since the, I discovered it through doing the marketing for it last time out. It's footballindex.co.uk and you can download the app. If you use the code Anfield to sign up, uh, you get the £500 money back guarantee. Uh, you can start trading in something you love uh, on, with Football Index, but obviously uh, do gamble responsibly and do see it as that be gambleaware.org uh, do make sensible rational decisions in amongst all of this uh, but it is the only football stock market and it is a very interesting advance on the way in which this stuff has been done in the past an interesting advance for instance on just being able to gamble on first goal scorers or anything like that I think I think the idea of being able to sort of take a long term interest in a player I think is fascinating uh, and it's something that you know I know so many of you do love your football obviously it's why you subscribe or listen to the Anfield wrap uh, so this would be an opportunity to maybe have a little think about aspects and look to sort of maybe use some Liverpool insider knowledge that you may well have here and there I mean I'm sure that they're pretty on top of it at Football Index but I do wonder about for instance you know someone like uh, you know looking at Sheridan Shakiri or something like that if you feel as though he's going to get a run of games you could do a little bit of that it is worth thinking about it is worth considering so yeah if you do if you are interested it is it is footballindex.co.uk you can download the app do use our code they measure this sort of thing and come back to us so if you get the opportunity to do so do take a look but if it isn't for you we completely and utterly understand that and as ever be gambleaware.org Great to speak uh, to Peter at The Athletic about Bournemouth and Bournemouth who are on this bad run stay and Liverpool can't go into this complacently I think that's the major thing and sometimes you know in many senses listen Bournemouth almost certainly don't get anything out of Liverpool but if you are Eddie Howe you are able to say lads no one expects us to get anything there's a bit of a free hit uh, so Liverpool can't approach this complacently in any way no, and you know the manager knows that now. I think you know in the past, it's it's become such a, a rare event for us to do that now. You know I can count on one hand the amount of times we've probably done it. Um, the only problem with the team not playing very well is at some point they've got to turn a corner, and it, it can be as you say, free hit against Liverpool is probably what the way that most teams go to approach a game against us these days, which isn't always helpful because you can you can be yeah. a bit unpredictable how they set up. They can they can change a few things because they can, they can try things because if it doesn't work, they weren't expected to win anyway. Um, I'm sure the manager uh, Jürgen will make a few changes himself and uh, will set us up. You know, we, we, we've done all right there the last few years. We've had a couple of sticky times there, but they're, they're long gone now. And I think uh, a few more changes. And I imagine we feel fresh legs, and I think we'll, we should be okay. Hopefully, the one thing you can now say with certainty, Paddy, is Eddie Howe doesn't know what team Liverpool are picking. If you know what I mean, like yeah. for all the work that Bournemouth are going to do prep for Liverpool, they're going to have a little bit of ideas about Liverpool. But if you're Eddie Howe, you're sort of looking at your backroom staff and saying. Mm. We can say they're going to pick some of these lads, but you've yeah. got no idea who. Yeah, I think it's hard enough playing Liverpool at the moment, anyway. But 
like you said, going into that team, like going into the game and trying to prepare for what team playing. And then even, it, it's not even the only way you can do your side up and say, listen, he, he, he might be rotating around like this time of year because all the, all his lads are going to be looking at the derby and saying, well, the, the, the lads he brought in were great as well. So I think it's a tricky game for them. They've got a habit, Bournemouth, of, I mean, they're one of them teams that they're probably not going to have for another 10 years and they always have these little spells where they get a bit close to the bottom and then he wins about three on the bounce and they turn it round and I'm just open and I, and I think as well you'll save you'll save the, the Bournemouth mid-season resurgence for after this one there's something James and I touched on it a little bit with Peter but I think in general there's something that happens I think for sides that don't play European football when this week happens that it's, it's suddenly they've got to go to the well three times they've got to play three matches of Premier League football but, you know you look at Bournemouth's little run here you know they played Saturday, Tuesday it'll be Saturday again and they haven't had to do that really that often at any yeah. point of the season Liverpool we, obviously we can say we've got the squad as well but I don't think it's even just the squad I think for the footballers themselves if you're not used to that that sort of mental toll the way your prep time works the way the training time's different fewer days off all of a sudden this is it, it does knock some sides and, and we've got to hope Bournemouth is one of them Yeah and you know it certainly looked that way didn't it with their, their performance in, in midweek They were dreadful was... weren't they I mean they really were dreadful <laughs> Yeah I mean that's a a truly horrendous result to to get beat by Palace in those circumstances when you got an extra man for for so long. Um, and not create, didn't create. I think no, no, and you know, they and they are they are stuck in a rut. Um, you know, for you know a manager that's been you know widely lauded for quite a long time as someone who was destined for for bigger and better things. Um, and they they also spent a fair few quid, didn't they? I mean, Liverpool have benefited handsomely <laughs> from from a lot of business they've they've done in the last few years. Um, and of course, you know they won't be able to call on Harry Wilson on on Saturday either, which will be you know another another loss to them. So um, yeah, I think I you know I think there'll, there'll definitely be changes. I mean, I'd be absolutely amazed if Joe Gomez doesn't come into the into the back four. Um, he needs the game, and and then you'd imagine you know even someone like Naby Keita, Klopp mentioned after the game against Everton, said he made five changes. He said I could have made seven. I wasn't quite brave enough. He said Gomez and Keita training so well. Um, and that would be interesting because I think if Cater doesn't start in this game, then I think if you're him, then the alarm bells are probably ringing in terms of when actually am I going to get a chance? Because you know he isn't he isn't going to be trusted with Salzburg away on Tuesday night. It's one where Cater plays last season, I think, and he plays quite tidily. The shape's a little different. Yeah. I think a lot of Salah's nine, Cater's off the left, bit of a yeah. box midfield. And again, that's the other thing that you know, Steve, he's happy to. He's happy to take a couple of risks around this stage of the season. And I think also he backs himself, he backs his backroom staff, he backs the bench that if he doesn't get it quite right at first, we'll be, you know, we'll be able to address it. I think there's such a level of security. It's interesting, you know, he says he's not brave enough. <laughs> there's such a level of security <laughs> yeah, at the moment, yeah. isn't there, around the Liverpool manager and everything he does, backing all the decisions that everybody's making around him and backing his decisions in those contexts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course. I mean, you know, we have to look at the bench last night to see the, the options he's got if things aren't going too well on the pitch with, with the decisions he makes. But. Um, as I said before, he's made that many changes before in December. I think he's been so steady up to now. I think all the players know it's coming and, and all, re- all bang on, ready ready to play if called upon. Um, Mo Salah's got a great record down there. I'd be surprised if we don't see him again. Uh, but then obviously we've got a, a big game on Tuesday, which is, is now become very, very, very important to the club. So there will be eyes on that as well for the manager. Tuesday is looming all over this fixture, Paddy. If there's one minor concern for Liverpool, it is the idea that maybe they might try and manage it out too early in the game. You know, if they get one or two ahead and feel as though they've just got to manage it through. 
they will be, you know, they're not human if they're not looked. They, they need to get through against Salzburg. They're not human yeah. if they haven't got one eye on it. I'm, you know, we can talk all we want about one game at a time, and we can say that they are mentality monsters and all this. That is true. Yeah. But they will not want, as European champions, they will not want to go out to Champions League at the group stage. And so maybe Klopp's got to be aware of that, and it might actually be a smart move to pick maybe two or three maybe even four or five of the players who don't actually reasonably expect to start against Salzburg off the basis of the fact that they can just focus in on this game. Yeah, there's a case to be made for a few of them. and It's hard thinking about who does. You'd think, you think Henderson starts in Salzburg, but then gets a rest last night, or it comes on. Um, I think the, the big thing is the midfield, and the midfield that goes in Salzburg... I think you could see a couple of them rested. You look up the likes when there's Wijnaldum get a rest and he seems to play every game and things like that. And I think that's why I think I think Keita will come in. I think it could be the one where Wijnaldum gets arrested. It's interesting we mentioned, I think, during the break about he seems to be doing similar things to this time last year. And it was, it was I think it was this time last year when the midweek one was Burnley away and then it was Bournemouth at the weekend. And Keita, Burnley away, you could argue, was his best performance for in a Liverpool shirt. And he sort of plays... Virtually in a two with Henderson, mm. and he's got Henderson looking after him, and I think that's something I'd like to see at the weekend because I think against Bournemouth it's, it's it's always a tricky game and things, but they'll sort of let you play a bit, and they're not going to be right on top of you, and the crowds are not one of them where it's going to be on top of you. So if you have Kaiser sitting in the middle in a two with Henderson, maybe even Chamberlain in front of him, and yeah, Wijnaldum and, and maybe Milner, the, the lads you'll probably you could see out in Salzburg, I think that that could be a really good option for the weekend. Like. At some point, you can go through the list of at some point someone's got to get a rest. I'm not going to go all the way to Virgil van Dijk because I think Virgil will decide that as much as anybody else, James. <laughs> but I think you can look at the two fullbacks as well and just wonder if asking them to play the way they play for Liverpool, both of them, back-to-back Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, does feel like a little bit of an ask. It wouldn't surprise me if Milner actually gets on the pitch, but maybe at the expense of one of them and then whichever one of them gets the rest comes on after 60 for the other and a bit of that goes on for this for Liverpool yeah spot on yeah I can see Milner starting at full back and um, yeah I think it's going to be this is going to be it now isn't it for for this month without a shadow of a doubt I think three four or five changes from from game to game, um, you know, just juggling his his resources and you know, the the huge thing going into the weekend is, is I think what 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 a game like that does in midweek, just for the whole mood around the the entire squad, just seeing people that have had so few opportunities just suddenly step in and and deliver like that, and I think you know even for for Gomez and Cater, I think that gives them a, a, a lift as well, you know, when 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 they get their chance. I think that's massive to say, isn't it? You know, and also what it means is that if you are, for instance, playing with one of the lads who's been drafted in, and it it, it shouldn't feel, and I think that's never been there, but it, it reinforces. You know, these are the lads who beat Barcelona, these are the lads who beat Everton, these are the lads who know this. Steve. And I think that is massive, isn't it? That idea that I'm looking around this dressing room and I'm not really that bothered who it is who's got a shirt on. It's not like, for instance, you got the impression it was when you know Torres didn't start yeah. and everyone would be going, "Oh, well, you're, you're playing in goal." Mm. That 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 hurts a dressing room's move before the ball's kicked. Whereas you get the impression this Liverpool side they're all looking at each other whichever 11 and thinking yeah we we, we can win this yeah I mean you, you, as James alluded to before you know you get the impression that every single player is, is 100% ready to step in at any time and because for the training is made that intense and, and that game specific that, that you know when called upon that any player can step in and, and perform to the same level as another player who, who would have been there ahead of him um, you know it's it's the, the one thing that's revolutionised this squad for me under the manager I think he's changed whereas in the past you know 
if anyone wasn't playing, if they get that one bad apple who's got a face on him who's sulking, that can have such a detrimental effect to a squad for me. And it's one thing that the Jürgen is completely stamped out from any, any well, for what we can see from the outside looking in, it's what he's completely stamped out as a manager for, you know, any player who's, who's got a face on or whinging, you know, they don't stick around long, they're, they're usually gone. I think I think the point about the intensity of training is important as well. It, I think it felt a lot last last night that although Sadio Mane is not playing with the usual lads he plays with, it's almost as if like it felt at times like he'd been on like the same eleven aside team as Lalana and yeah. Origi and Shakira. Like yeah. the touches now got out the little flicks and things. It was almost like he he wasn't phased at all. But it was just like well I've trained with these and I've played matches and training with these before and I know these are great. So I think that goes back to the point of because of how well they train together and how close and, and tight knit the squad is. Like Steve said, none of them, none of the players look at each other going, oh, he's any less than the person he was in last week and I was playing with. They, they all trust each other, they all know how good each other are and whoever comes in will back themselves as well to know that, that they belong on the side. Um, are we all predicting victories for Liverpool against Bournemouth? No, none of you are looking at me with, with, with huge concern. I'd, like I'd like to think so, yeah. We've, we've, got, we've got a decent record there. It's all about... I'd like to see us be a bit more defensively sharper than we've been in a couple of games recently. Just just a couple of laps of concentration, maybe a bit, bit of casual playing. Uh, just a little bit the of second half clean sheet last night yeah, to me I felt significant very, yeah. I think yeah. I felt a little very bit like good. he sent yeah. them out there saying you're not conceding again yeah. you're not yeah. conceding again against Everton mm-hmm. and we're not having that and it's yeah. almost like build from this moment I do wonder about that because I think they could do with just getting a clean sheet soon definitely I mean, I, I think the first goal was a bit unlucky last night because it's, it's a, yeah. you know, Dexy puts a block in and it, it falls nicely for Keane so I'm not going to harbour too much blame for that one you know, the, the second one could be you could point the finger at two or three it's, it's a poor ball from Trent it could get closed down again quicker you know, Lovren could be better Van Dijk would be better the keeper could be better it's just lapses of concentration I think for me but as you said second half they were a lot more robust and a lot tighter um, I think you'd love to go there with a victory and a clean sheet would be the uh, order of the day for the manager uh, Excellent stuff indeed thank you very much to Pazzy to Steve and to James and everyone else who contributed this week to the weekend to take it easy uh, enjoy whatever it is you're doing Liverpool 3 o'clock Saturday Bournemouth going to be the absolute business Sports Social Podcast Network